0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next Customer Success Conversations podcast. I am Adam Joseph, your host and founder of CSM Insight. Well, on today's pod, I'm thrilled to welcome James Lloyd, who is the co-founder and chief technical officer of Redox, a modern API platform from the healthcare industry. James, a very warm welcome to you. Yeah, great to speak with you today, Adam. No, it's great to have you on. I mean, I'm sure um, we're going to talk about how customer success has evolved within your business and also the niche area of, of healthcare as well, which is something I hadn't known about previously. So really keen just to, to dig into that. But before we do, maybe if you gave us a, uh, a brief synopsis about what Redox is all about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm, I'm the one of the co-founders and the chief technology officer here at Redox, and we are a healthcare data platform for software companies looking to have a scalable and modern approach to working with healthcare data. So, some examples of who our customers might be uh, we work with Microsoft and some of their healthcare technology approaches, as well as companies like Dexcom, who help patients with diabetes and companies like Invitae who help with prenatal screening in the genomic space. And so as they're looking to interact with healthcare data, specifically around interacting with the patients and providers data, they use our platform to uh, share information with the local health systems and transact between their software and the other vendors in play within the overall ecosystem of, of a fairly complex healthcare organization.
0: Perfect. Thank you. I mean, I'm always interested about what motivates people to talk about customer success. So I know as well as co-founding this business, you've also co-founded others in the past as well. And I'm just interested, why do you see customer success as something that's fundamental to the businesses that you've run? Absolutely.
1: So, you know, our, our business here at Redox especially is a very long-term engagement, very kind of a multi-sided network approach where the software vendors that we work with bring us to healthcare organizations, we get to know those healthcare organizations, find out about their initiatives. They help point us to other software vendors that they may be working with. We meet those new software vendors, they take us to new healthcare organizations. And so there's a very, very flywheel effect of, of, our, of our business that is really driven by that kind of relationship management, understanding the direction and the needs of the organizations that we're working with to really drive our business. And so, you know, it, Honestly, for us, you know, a lot of the business comes from the key aspects of customer success. So retention, new market identification, new product identification. And, and so that is that is a very large portion of what actually grows our overall ecosystem, more than just the transactional component of, of bringing new customers into the, into the ecosystem.
0: So was that a eureka moment you had from the very beginning? Or were there some learnings over the evolution of the business that brought you to the conclusion that you needed to bring customer success in? Absolutely. So definitely the kind of network approach of our business was part of what we
1: wanted to do from the beginning. But the realization of the importance of the customer success role was something we definitely kind of evolved into over time. So when we first started, we had a sales team, an engineering team, and just sort of an everything else team. (laughs) Uh, And that everything else team became, over time, kind of became our, our customer success team. So as we grew, we added more specializations, so the first layer we added in was a sales engineering team to help with some of the technical conversations. Our buyers are a bunch of, across a whole bunch of different roles, but our users are often software developers, so the, that kind of sales engineering role plays a really important part for us. The next layer we sort of added in over time as we evolved was a split from the on the implementation side from... You know more of a everything bucket of implementation to more project management a little bit more technical configuration side of things, and then about probably two or three years in, we really spun up the proper kind of account management function with with a function with a focus on renewals and retention and more of the the sort of sales side of the the customer success component to our to our business and I think you know even looking into the future, I think one of the things that we're still evolving on is the Is the split between the focus on renewals and the focus on on retention, and and that's something that we're that we're still evolving into.
0: So it's a really interesting point that you mentioned about this dichotomy between renewals and retention. Do do you see those two things as very complementary? So if if you do everything in your power to retain the customer and, and offer great value, then the renewal should be a fait accompli. Or do you see them as as kind of two different disciplines that you're trying to bring together into one? It really
1: varies on the customer size for us quite a bit. So. We work with a pretty broad spectrum of types of customers, so three-person startups all the way up to large publicly traded companies, and for the, for the folks on the smaller end where we represent a big part of their business in terms of, you know, they have maybe have one product line that we support or where we're, we're fairly entrenched with their, the full scope of their business, then they are, they are fairly related. The retention and the renewals are, are fairly uh, correlated. Uh, for larger organizations, we may often start with just one or two product lines of maybe 50 or 100 product lines. And in those cases, renewals and retention look very different because we could be renewing at a, at a much higher rate from year one to year two. And it's more than just the, the retention of the existing one or two product lines. So in, in those ways, as we start to go into more of the enterprise side, more of the larger customer size, renewals becomes a, a a much different animal than, uh, than than with the smaller companies.
0: Yeah, I, I think it, it's a, a dilemma that many businesses are looking at, and it's it's funny seeing the very different views from as I talk to one business to another in terms of CS owner renewal, or that's given to an account management organization. So it's it's really interesting to see how, how every company has approached it. So it sounds like you, you've certainly gone on a journey and an, an evolution since the early days of having an everything else team to today. It sounds like you've got a quite a sophisticated customer success approach so how many people do you have in a team can you tell me a little bit about the makeup of the team that you have right now
1: yeah so we've got about 15 people total on the team as I mentioned we've sort of split into some specialized functions so we've got a a team that's focused more on the the implementation success we've got a team that's focused on the account management side and then we've got a team that's focused on
0: the sales engineering component Mm. Um, that's kind of the
1: the makeup of our of our CS organization
0: right now and obviously the type of business you are in, in terms of being an API platform I would imagine that the the people that you bring into your organization not just within CS but I guess more broadly they have to be quite tech savvy I would imagine to be successful but what, what are the key drivers when you're looking to to bring in customer success people into the business What what's the most important disciplines and traits that they have should they become from a technology background or do you see more kind of usurping that being more client-led focus skills that CSMs might bring, or is it a mixture of, of everything?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of
0: a mixture of both. So definitely for those that sales
1: engineering role, certainly a technical background is helpful. We definitely, but just sort of across the board, some of the traits that we look for are really a focus on patience and education. So we find that generally speaking, every type of customer that comes to us will need some sort of augmentation of their experience or their understanding. So we work with companies that have been in healthcare for 20 or 30 years, but may be new to the modern technology and the cloud and and things like that. So we need to augment their technology side. Or we work with companies who you know, may have a team of really experienced technologists, but may be brand new to healthcare. And so therefore we need to augment their understanding of what it's like to sell into a health system or the, some of the complexities around dealing with patient information, things like that. So we generally find that pretty much everybody that we work with, there's there's some need for us to, you know, to help support their understanding and where they come from. So definitely focus on patients and education. And then also from a more from a kind of account management and more of that sales enablement side of things, Definitely an understanding of knowing how to navigate a fairly complex organization. So, a lot of the enterprise customers we work with are in the tens or hundreds of thousands of employees. A lot of the health systems that they're selling into are also very complex, very political organizations. And so, helping our customers get to market quickly means often knowing how to navigate some of those bureaucratic and kind of political waters. And and that's definitely a big part of the, the role as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it sounds like there are many different stakeholders that are critical to the overall level of success. So it sounds like you've got technologists, software developers, patients, software vendors. Um, It must be a difficult thing to juggle trying to keep all of those stakeholders happy and making sure that what, what Redux are doing is staying ahead of the curve.
1: Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting dynamic between all of the different the different stakeholders, you know, as as I mentioned there's there are a few different kind of personas of buyers that we have, folks who are really driving the initial sale for us. So we see some folks from the product side, some folks from more of the business development side, some folks on the technology side. So it's it's really a mix there on on kind of who's driving the procurement process for for us. But then once we kind of get in with a customer, there there tends to be a fairly consistent set of stakeholders meaning we have users who are software developers and you know delivering a reliable experience for them is is uh, definitely key and then definitely the kind of value props that we have from the from the business side around scalability and the, the kind of quality of the data is, is
0: definitely a big part that we mm-hmm. that we provide as well and given where you are now in your evolution of building the customer success team how do you reflect on in trying to see whether they've actually made a positive difference
1: yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I would really look at it from the the value props that we see our customers identify in us and how we measure those. So we break those down into three key categories. We call them discovery, quality, and scale. So discovery means we have a lot of, of our customers coming to us to really help them figure out how to design their their product. Um, they're trying to discover what it means to deliver a technical solution in, in the healthcare space. And so that might mean our ability to provide knowledge leadership, education, technical enablement of their developers, really everything that we can do to help them hit the ground running with a with a strong product. So that's the discovery category that we really that we really focus on. There's a second category which is quality meaning this is really critical information you know, we're, we're talking about patients and and the care that they're receiving in terms of the data that we're transacting so uh, it has to work really well and so the, the kind of robustness of the data the quality of the implementation kind of the support that we provide all of that aspect is, is definitely a part that the customer success organization is is definitely looking at and observing from our ability to provide that level of support for our customers, and then scale the the things that we're that we're looking for there are our speed of implementation. So if one of our customers goes to a new healthcare organization to to start a new project, how soon can we go from our first conversation to their product is is live and in the hands of patients and providers? And then also the the kind of breadth of concurrent projects we can handle. A lot of the customers that are coming to us are finding that they can only handle two or three projects at the same time and they may have a needs to, to extend that out to 30 40 50 concurrent projects and so our ability to handle their their bandwidth is, is also a big a big driver
0: for us so those are the those are the kinds of things that we, we measure from a customer success standpoint yeah that's really interesting so obviously from the scale perspective I can see how you would have metrics that look at days to implement or days to go live number of concurrent projects but I'm, I'm just curious for the discover and the quality stage what kind of metrics do you have that really looks at for example you mentioned in the discovery how to design that product and in quality you spoke about the robustness and quality of the patient data do you have some specific internal metrics that look at the the impact of how CS is doing with those objectively rather than the kind of more of a subjective measure? Absolutely. And this is definitely still a a
1: work in progress for us that we're Mm. we're continuing to refine. But some of the things that we look at are we segment our NPS scores based on user persona or user type. So for the discovery side and some of the quality side, looking at the software developer user persona NPS as different than a business stakeholder or a a, a product management stakeholder, try and make sure that we can deliver a, a positive experience there. We also look at the kind of variance in what we call scope, but basically the variance in scope across health systems. That means how often did a, did one of our customers need to pump the brakes and start over again based on a new information that they found out from their second or third customer that they didn't get on their first and trying to look at ways that we can help front load some of that information so our customers can really have a A highly scalable experience that they don't need to redesign for on the on the second or third go around and then uh, that's mostly on the discovery side then on the quality side definitely looking at the kinds of support tickets we get the any sort of escalations from from customers and things like that so that's kind of maybe more of a, a a typical kind of support type metric there
0: and and do you have systems, ongoing systems in place to help measure the the voice of the customer? So, be that through survey results, potentially even interviewing primary decision makers about what influenced a, a customer's decision to churn or to renew, to grow or, or to downgrade. Do do you have on, ongoing systems in place to try and take a pulse of customer health at any one point?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So we we do a recurring, you know, NPS evaluation, send out surveys for that. We also, we're also really fortunate that we are able to put on a, we actually do a a yearly summit um, called the Interoperability Summit, where we actually bring together all of our our user base and um, even folks who are just interested that aren't uh, necessarily customers yet to break into focus groups to talk about specific areas that they may be curious about or interested in or have use cases that they're interested in seeing us support so we have we break into more of the security things like selling into new types of health systems um, emerging trends and, and break into focus groups around around those and it's a, it's a really great way for us to engage with the customers in person and, and have a great dialogue I'd say the other thing that we do to just keep a, a pulse on our customers is we have a open to the public slack channel that many of our customers, use to communicate with us. And it's, it's sort of a, just a public forum to be able to communicate with the Redox team, but also just across our customer base. And I think we've got about 2,100 people or so in there now and, and always an active conversation going on around various things in the healthcare
0: technology space. Wow. So it sounds like you've got a number of systems set up. So you mentioned NPS, customer uh, summits uh, the slack channel as well do, do you find any one of those particularly gives you the inputs that you need in order to make the decisions about how to move the company forward both from a product perspective and a service services delivery perspective or is it a mixture of looking across all of those because i could imagine you get some great in-depth discussions in through the, the customer summit a, a lot of kind of ongoing discussion within the slack channel and, and nps is i guess dependent on you know how often you're getting responses on that which I, i've seen Great response rates for NPS and others that maybe aren't so great. So, have you found any one of those to be particularly useful? It's a bit of a mixture of everything. And, and I, I see it more
1: as often one of those tools kind of feeds into a, another one of the tools. So, if we see a discussion around maybe a, a particular new niche area coming up in, in our Slack team, for example, that may be an indication to us to set up a, a particular focus group at, at our next summit. Or we may see that a particular set of users are are not scoring as high as we'd like them to on on an NPS side of things so we could set up a maybe a side discussion in Slack or or if we want to have an in-person conversation with them use that to drive something in the in our in our summit so I, I do see them as kind of you know leading indicators into you know one of those communication forums that that we could really drive a, a deeper conversation with and and feed that back into maybe more of our product or or engineering side of things
0: um, yeah, fascinating. Um, you know, rather than see them as a very siloed approach, it, as you said, you kind of one blends into another, which which I think is a, a fantastic way of thinking of it. So t- just to maybe finish off, obviously, it sounds like you, you have been on an evolution of customer success and got some real learnings and it's helped drive the business future. How would you see if we were recording this in kind of two or three years times? What do you think the state of customer success will be in the business at that point? Where do you think you're going with it?
1: Yeah that's a great that's a good question. As we evolve the customer success team within our within our company, I think over the next 2 to 3 years there will be a couple of areas for focus. I definitely think kind of honing the interaction between the customer success feedback and the new types of customers and new types of stakeholders that we're working with and feeding that back into product and having that interaction and and feedback cycle be really tight, I think is is something that I'm excited for for our growth on. And I I also think as we start to work with more of these kind of larger enterprise customers, I think we'll start to see more of the the big like year one to year two conversions starting to become more of a a playbook for us and and getting that to be a big part of what customer success is is responsible for is is also going to be a big thing for us. So I think as as we as we grow supporting supporting the other sides of our, our of our network as well. So I kind of mentioned that our customers are these software vendors of of varying sizes, but we we also have healthcare organizations that are a, a big stakeholder and, and a big constituent of our of our network and figuring out how we can support them, even though they're not necessarily the ones signing the checks, they are a key stakeholder here and figure out how we can support them and, and their uh, initiatives and their ability to go through the procurement process for new software vendors in an effective way and, and being able to support that side, I think will also be another investment that we're going to need to make.
0: Well, look, I I think it's been a a real fascinating insight, James. I'm looking forward to obviously tracking your progress and and having future conversations with you as you kind of go through those stages of of evolution. Uh, And I'm sure everyone listening to this would have uh, had some key takeaways as well. So, James, thank you so much for your time today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much.